Hey y'all, good morning. So as you know, I am a day late, um, not a dollar short, <laughs> um, but definitely a day late. I usually post new episodes on Wednesdays, but we traveled home to North Carolina this past weekend and did not get in until midnight on Sunday. And I have not felt that great this week. And so yesterday when I would have posted um, I was in the bed most of the day with a migraine and then trying to get some work done towards the latter part of the day. I also did not want to post one of the episodes that um, have already been recorded um, because I wanted to take an opportunity to reflect a little bit on the domestic violence series and then also catch you guys up to date on what's been going on with the journey out here in Oregon. Many people reach out to me directly or they send me DMs or they text me to find out how things are going. But I know some other people look to the podcast for updates. Um, and so I, you know, I want to do my due diligence. I promised I would keep you guys posted. So I want to try to do that. So first, I want to thank everyone who participated in the domestic violence series, whether you were a guest and shared your story or whether you were someone who sent me feedback based on the stories that you heard, how they made you feel, the reflections that they caused. Um, one of my good friends, Jessica, was, I talk about it all the time because she is my uh, photographer, she's my favorite photographer. Um, she did not participate in the series as it relates to the podcast, but she did post a status um, about her own personal domestic violence story on Facebook and the feedback and the love and the support that she received was pretty amazing. Um, I have said over and over and over that there is strength in sharing your story. And it sounds good, right? And it probably sounds a little cliche. But for those who have shared their story, they call me and they're like, oh my God, you were so right. Because I think one of the challenges with life in general is that you assume, we assume, that we are the only person going through something, right? Or we are the only person who has experienced this in this way. Um, and some of those experiences are you, you feel embarrassed. You feel like there's no way you should have gone through that or people won't understand. And when you share that experience with someone or with the world or with just with someone or some people and you find out how many other people are either going through the exact same thing or they've been through the exact same thing. Um, and you guys are able to connect over that experience or those experiences. And the reality is it sucks that we are having to connect over things that are happening to us that aren't great, right? Abuse, molestation, rape, um, you know, even things that aren't as bad as that, like imposter syndrome and, you know, um, feelings of self-doubt or fear or all of those things. Like it's tough that to, to think that we are connecting sometimes over things that don't feel great, 
But not only is there freedom in sharing your story, but there is also power in knowing that you aren't alone, that there is somebody else that feels what you felt, understands um, in a way that somebody who has not experienced it understands. And then just to know that like, I am not by myself. I am not an outcast. Um, there's power in that. And so I, I want to thank those people, the people that gave feedback, just because it is not easy, even though there is power and there is strength in that, that does not make it easy to share your story, especially not with strangers and people, um, and probably even harder to share it with people that know you, that you run the risk of them looking at you a little differently, um, them judging you, but the power far outweighs those judgmental glances because the truth is we are all, we're all battling something. Um, I'll also say that the, the series caused me to reflect on my own experiences. I think I have, I'm pretty sure I shared, even in just the introduction of one of the episodes, pretty sure I shared, um, that I, ironically enough, with the exception of my son, have had some experience with domestic violence in every female area of my life. Um, And, you know, they were, thankfully, they did not end badly. um, They did not end as badly as they could have. They all each left a mark in a different way in my life, um, in my memory, in my reaction, you know, um, just you react differently when, you know, someone has done something to your child than you do when someone has done something to you. Um, you react differently when you are the child. So, you know, each of those experiences definitely left a mark. Um, and doing this episode, this series caused me to reflect on each of those experiences and how they changed me or how they impacted me or have impacted me along the way. I am grateful that I am grateful that despite what I have endured or been through or seen or felt, um, that we are not carriers of that behavior. Um, I am grateful that neither myself or my mom or my children are abusers. I am also grateful that we have moved out of whatever allows or allowed us to be in those situations. Um, You know, because I think, I think one of the things that that becomes apparent when you have those conversations is being a victim does not look like you think it might. You know, sometimes maybe it is a weak-minded person or someone who needs something or someone who's dependent on somebody. But oftentimes that person started out strong and independent and secure and they ended up in a situation that was unlike something they probably would have thought they would have been in. Um, But, you know, abuse happens to the best people. Um, 
Because as I've said before, over and over and over, it is learned behavior, both from the abuser and the abused. It's learned behavior. And so one of the most important things we can do is to get help. Doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on. Doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you fall into. The most important thing we can do for ourselves and each other is to get help, to speak out, let somebody know you need some help, whether you are the one doing the abusing or whether you're the one being abused. Get some help. There are resources out there to help people, to help you, to help you get out of that situation, to help you leave. Um, I think this is this is October is many months for many things. I think it is both Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So the next episode is going to be about breast cancer. Um, an experience, a conversation I had with Amber. I cannot wait to share it. Her story was eye-opening for me. Uh, once you hear it, you'll understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um but like I said, I wanted to to take a break between the domestic violence and the breast cancer awareness to, you know, to reflect on that. But I, I can't wait to share that with y'all next week. Um, whether you have boobs or not, like, listen to the story. If you got boobs, get them checked. If you don't have boobs, <laughs> encourage the person that you love that does to get them checked. Um so anyway, that that's that. I just it was impactful for me. It was a it was a I, I share with you guys all the time that while the podcast, you know, in in whole is for others, um, it affects me more than you know. Both the feedback from people and the conversations that I have, the stories that I hear, um, they are equally, if not more, impactful for me. Um, and so when I started this journey, I said, if I could save one life, if I could change one life, then it would have been, then, then my purpose would have been fulfilled. And so I think it's funny because oftentimes the one life that's being changed is my own. So, um, anyway, I hope you guys got something out of that series. Uh, if you missed any of them, please go back and check them out. Um, you know, leave your feedback, let me know what you think, um, so yeah, so that's that. All right, so let me bring you up to date on the journey. So we have been doing the domestic violence series for, I think, five weeks, five or six weeks. So a lot has happened in that time. Um, we officially moved to Oregon. I think I told you guys that already. We officially moved to Oregon at the end of August. My mom came out for the week. Um, Lana started school here. And let me just say my kid is killing it. I mean, she's killing it. She is the poster child for how to do and how to transition your entire existence and absolutely kill it. Um, we got here on a Sunday. She tried out for a travel softball team. Um, she started practicing on Tuesday, that following Tuesday. She is hitting home runs. They have her at a new position. She's playing first base. The The kids, the coaches... They absolutely adore her. I have I have watched her at practice smile more than I have seen her smile in a really long time. Um, 
and it's a different coach. I think she loves her coach at home. So if, Bruce, if you listen, I'm not, she doesn't, she's not, uh, she still loves you. But uh, this time she is playing for a woman um, and they just have a little bit more fun. You know, they, it's not as, it is super competitive, but it's just more fun. And so she's, she's doing a lot of smiling, which, you know, if you're a parent, you understand that makes me smile. Um, she decided one day she wanted to try out for the cheerleading squad and she tried out for cheer, made the team, um, and was super excited about that. And then this, just this week or last week, um, they had to vote for homecoming court. And because she didn't know any of the kids on the ballot, she wrote her own name in five times. Um, when she came home and told me that that's what she'd done, I thought to myself, you're going to end up on that homecoming court. And uh, lo and behold, this past Monday, they told her that she did. So she's on the homecoming court. So, you know, my kid's killing it. Um, She's killing it. And I could not be prouder of her and that smile and that her resiliency. Um, Because I don't know that I could have done it at 16. Um, Especially with some of the other things she is enduring. Um, you know, as you guys know, we are in the 0.5% African-American population out here. So we are in a very white community, um, we're in a very white community and, uh, it's not easy. You know, she's got kids wanting to touch her hair, um, telling her, um, daily <laughs> that she's pretty or that she smells good or that her skin is pretty um which are all compliments right i'm not i'm not taking anything away from that she is pretty she looks she's gorgeous if you ask me and obviously she looks different from her classmates um you know one girl asked her she had some sneakers on asked her you know how much were her sneakers because she could never afford sneakers like that um, the challenge in some of the comments is that while they're compliments, they often come off as shade. Um, like a, we keep it transparent here. So, um, my child's also been called a nigga twice, um, by two separate kids. Um, she also sits alone at lunch. Because she doesn't really have any friends. Um, She's also, she got her license, but she's afraid to drive. So when I say that I'm proud of her and her resiliency, it's because I probably would have tucked and run a long time ago. Um, She has the opportunity to come home. I have told her from the very beginning that I would never make her stay. This was my journey and I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I tell her all the time that I'm grateful that she is on this journey with me, but I would not unfairly make this her journey. And it is difficult for me um, the times that there have been tears in her eyes because of what she's experiencing and then in, in almost the same breath, it's difficult for me. And I ask her if she wants to go home and she's like, nah. 
Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it wasn't three days after the racial slurs at school that she put her name in the ballot box five times. You know, that, that kid is amazing. Um, and I don't know why I was chosen to be her mom, but she is teaching me more than I could ever teach her out here. Um, <laughs> with so much grace. And probably one of the best parts of this journey is that it's just me and her. So she gets, she gets all of my attention. She is spending up all of my money. I will tell you that because these endeavors that she um, is undertaking are not cheap. Um, it's very different than it looks at home. Um, they pay to do everything out here. And so I'm going to have to start an OnlyFans here real soon to be able to support it all. But whatever it takes for her, you know, whatever it takes. Um, as far as my part of the journey, it's cold here. It's, it's been cold. We've got, it's like 30 degrees in the morning. Someone asked me the other day how I am enjoying fall. And I reminded them that 30 degrees in October is not fall. Um, 30 degrees in September is not fall. If I got to have on a coat and a hat, it's not fall, uh, especially when we visited home this past weekend and we were in shorts. So that part is, is challenging. Um, you know, I've had my own, my own challenges over the last five or six weeks we had in late September, we had a shooting where, um, a white man shot a 22 year old black kid. Um, he's a young man, but I mean, I have a kid that's 25 and one that's 21. And so in my mind, that kid is a kid and he shot him and the story Initial story was that he shot him because um, the black, the young black man spoke or I guess tried to hit on his girlfriend. She said no. An argument ensued. He shot him in the street. Um, Upon further investigation, they determined that the white man um, doesn't like black people, like had racial slurs on his social media and that he maybe had had another run in with the kid. Um, there's a video, there was a video circulated about it and, um, probably the most disturbing thing about someone sent me the video and I don't usually watch those. Like I don't usually watch the killing of black, black men, um, whether it's by the police or each other. Um, those things are very disturbing for me. Didn't really know what I was looking at. Um, the most disturbing thing about the video is that things did not stop. The video was recorded by the girlfriend of the man that shot her, shot him um, from beginning kind of all the way through. You have one person scream to call the police um, and things kind of go on business as usual. You hear a couple racial slurs, they turn the music back up, people keep partying and the guy's dead in the street. Um, he has since been, Ian, I think it's his name, has since been rearrested on higher charges because originally he was only arrested on manslaughter. Um, but believe it, like there are protests in the street. There are um, signs and Black Lives Matter signs. And keep in mind, we're in the super minority here. So it is a challenging time to be Black in Central Oregon. 
Um, people send me stories all the time. They send me Instagram posts and stories and, and TikToks. And someone sent me one the other day that, and I had done a little bit of research, but someone sent me the other day one that talked about how um, it was just 2001 when they got the language removed from the state constitution that did not allow black people to live here, buy land here. Um, and that there were people here currently that did not want that language removed. And we're talking 2001. Um, so it's, it is, it is as a challenging space. Um, what I will say is that I work with and have encountered some amazing people with really good hearts, really good intentions, want things to change. Um, you know, and the work I'm doing is really dope too. Like, I really enjoy the work I'm doing. And so what this experience has already taught me is to be mindful what you ask for, right? Because this job is exactly what I asked for when I wrote down um, my, when I did my vision board. The pay, the job, the ability to work remote, the type of work I'm doing, you know, it checks every one of those boxes. But there were things that I did not ask for that I was not specific about in terms of location and distance from my family and things like that, that I didn't ask for. I was not specific. And so if you do not believe that your words have power or that you can manifest the life you want, listen to me. <laughs> Use me as your visual example that you can create any life you want, but you had better be specific about what that looks like. And so, you know, I have done a new set of goals and visions for the next six months. And while the work has not changed that I want to do in the salary and the remote work, oh, you better believe there is some specifics in there about location and how far I'm willing to be for my family and my loved ones um, because I've realized that I need those connections close to me. Those things, those people, those connections, that energy, um, phone calls and FaceTimes don't quite cut it. I need and want those people and things close to me in proximity. Um, so anyway, that's how we're doing on the journey. The job is going great. The um, work is going great. I am learning and growing and um, becoming probably the best version of myself. I'm learning a lot about me. I'm learning a lot about my phenomenal kid. Um, the transition, the cultural transition is also continues to be challenging. Um, I think I shared on Facebook, we have been turned down for nail services twice. Um, I had a lady, an older white lady, you know, almost ram her cart into mine in Walmart and then look at me like I had done something to her. Um, one of my, one of my best friends, Chantel came to visit me a couple weeks ago. We had a really great time. We went and walked the trails and like we hung out. Um, we just enjoyed each other's space. And she, she both experienced an older white man standing probably two, free, two feet from us who refused 
to even look at us. Like, <laughs> like he was facing us and it w- he made such an effort to not see us that it was actually a- pretty amusing. Um, and I thought to myself, sir, you will not turn to stone if you see us. We are, we are standing right here. Um, and in the same breath, in the same two minutes, there was a lady at the light, at a stoplight, um, who rolled her window down and waved at us like she had seen, like we were celebrities. Um, partially because there's rarely two of us, two, there's rarely two black people in the same spot um, ever. And so culturally, it continues to be a challenge. Um, I... You know, I I told you guys that Lana made the homecoming court. The game is Friday night. As soon as she told me that she made the court, she was very excited. Her next statement was, but I don't have anybody to escort me. Um, and so I couldn't even be excited. As excited as I would have been at home, because I immediately began to think about the experience. Right. So you don't have anybody to escort you. She's the only female black student in a population of about 980 students. There are three other black students, but they're boys. Um, So you don't have anybody to escort you. What is that going to look like in like in reality, right? So we go to the game. I'm, I'm basing it on my experience with homecoming. All the kids come out in the field. At halftime, they announce who's going to be the the queen or the princess um, and they crown you on the field and then you walk out. And so my thought is, all right, I'm going to be potentially sitting in a stadium of white people, non-black people, because there are Hispanics at her school. What happens if she wins? What happens if she beats out the other three girls? Am I going to have to fight in the stands? Um, you know, and I'm thinking this in my head, like, is it going to be safe? Is it going to be a safe situation? I should be excited that my newly, that my child who, who recently moved here was confident enough to put her name on the ballot and then was selected. And if she wins, what type of experience is that going to be? Um, and y'all, I can't front. That's tough. That is a tough thing to consider when you just want to be excited. You just want to buy a dress and shoes, you know, get their hair done. Like, you just want to be excited. Um, so, yeah, that is, that is um, that's how things are going. You know, I, I try to explain to, you know, help my coworkers and the people that I encounter here that don't have any idea about that experience. I try to help set the tone and the lens for them into what that looks like, right? To say, you know, you don't have to consider this. If your son or your daughter was voted on homecoming court, you buy them the suit, you buy them the dress, and they go to the game. And that's it. You know, your family shows up, your friends show up. The same thing that would happen if she had got voted on the homecoming court at home. You show up, your friends show up, you you know, her dad or her brother escorts her. And we all live happily ever after, whether she wins or not. Um, I have a a girlfriend here who is black. Um, She's actually the only one of two black people that I know personally here. She's very well known. 
um, here. And she is very talented. She does diversity, equity, inclusion work. Erica's pretty amazing. She works at the college. Um, very connected. And so we were talking the other day and she's like, oh, my son will escort her. He doesn't go to school with her. He'll escort her. She understands the need for representation, right? So she's like, my son will escort her. It'll be fine. Um, she reaches out to the um, city manager of the city we live in to um, let him know, you know, that my daughter is going to be at homecoming, blah, 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 to ask, you know, is she going to be safe? And y'all, the city manager was like, I don't know. Um, gave her some additional resources to give to me to ensure her safety. But you have any idea what that feels like? Like that your kid gets nominated to be on the court. And while the other three parents might just be thinking about what dress they're going to get for their kid to wear and shoes, I got to think about whether or not my kid's going to be safe. Like, it's 2021. Hmm. Um, so, oh, I guess I'll tie that up. So the good news, or what I think is the good news, is that I finally called someone yesterday at the school because um, they had not given out any information, which some of that is it's a pandemic, right? So they cancel the dance. They're having the, the game, but they cancel the dance. They cancel kind of some of the other homecoming as- activities. Um, and I was told that they will announce the winners um, on tomorrow, tomorrow morning. And the winners, there's going to be a float. And the winners for each grade level will be on the float on Friday at halftime. So essentially, if she does not win homecoming queen for her grade level, she doesn't have to get on the float. She doesn't even have to go. Um, and so that is helpful for me. I asked her if she wanted to go, if she doesn't win. And she's like, no, which is fine because we also have to be four hours away in Washington state this weekend for her final travel softball tournament. So either way, like we'll be good to go. Um, so, you know, I'm, I am, you know, laughing at that. It's it's not really funny, but you know, I'm laughing at that. Um, I'll keep you guys posted on the next episode, whether or not we won or not, we went to the game, however that works. But, you know, it just, it just, um, it's just a lot to think about. So just, you know, one of the, one of the things that I guess I'll, I'll end the journey story with this. Um, when people ask me how things are going, I try, I have tried in the past to equate it to race. And people have had a hard time understanding what it's like being the only black person. Or if I say, if you were the only white person, the one thing that seems to have resonated with people is when I say to them, imagine if you were the only one of your gender in the entire community. So what if you were, if you're listening and you're a man, what if you were the only man in a community of women? Now, obviously there would be some benefits to that, right? Like, Obviously. But think about the implications of not ever being around anyone that understood what it feels like to be a man. Um, 
on very basic level, I don't know nothing about like having a heart on first thing in the morning. Like, I'm sorry that that's the first, that's the first example I could come up with, but that's what I think about. You know, I don't know anything about masculinity or, you know, even if you aren't a straight man, there is some masculinity that comes with just being a man, some expectation that some things that you may deal with that just come from being a man, right? Straight, gay, bi, doesn't matter. Um, imagine if you were the only woman in a community of men. And I'm not even talking about like the misogyny that, that people associate with that. I'm just literally talking about not having anyone that understands what it's like to have cramps or to not be able to zip your dress up because you live alone and your dress zips up in the back or, you know, not knowing, having someone that doesn't understand what it means to have to be cognizant of whether or not your nipples show through a shirt in the cold or the pain of, of childbearing, right? Or, or what that entails or wearing high heels. Again, whether you're straight or gay or bisexual, there are some things associated with being a woman that only another woman would understand. And so in thinking about this journey, Think about what it must, what it might feel like if you were the only gender in an entire community. And I don't mean just at work. I mean, you work with the opposite sex. You go to the grocery store with the opposite sex. You're, if you have children, right? Because there would be, if they're the opposite sex, there's a potential that you could have a kid, but they are taught by the opposite sex. Grocery store, Target, Chick-fil-A, opposite sex, opposite sex, opposite sex. And maybe, maybe on a random Thursday morning, you get to see someone that's the same gender as you in the grocery store. And y'all are both looking like, (gasps) because that's a real thing. I was driving into work yesterday and there was a black woman in a truck next to me and I almost ran into her. on accident, obviously, but I saw her and was like dumbfounded. I was in Target the other day and saw a black woman. We were both on the hair aisle. And she looked at me and I looked at her. And you would have thought we were local celebrities. But neither of us said anything, just kind of a knowing look and glance and smile and a familiar face. Um, but I'm here for a purpose. I, I pray about what that purpose is every day. And I try to use my voice and my personality to help open the eyes and the lenses of people that want help and want to have their eyes open and their lenses cleared. Um, I, I am trying to be, to mimic the light that Lana is showing in what is sometimes a very dark, dark room. Um, But anyway, I love you guys. I appreciate your ear. I appreciate your support. I appreciate the messages, the text, um, the support. For those of you who check on me, it does not go unnoticed. Um, It's also challenging to be three hours behind everybody that I know and love. 
So it's all, it's all challenging, but, and there's no like delicious food here. Well, I have had a couple, couple delicious things, but it's not Durham. Like Durham has delicious things and they have fun things to do. Um, but it's gorgeous. The mountains are gorgeous. They're snow capped now. So anyway, just know that I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I appreciate you being on this journey with me. I appreciate, I appreciate you staying on this journey with me. Um, I will continue to update you on how things are going. I will let you know what happens with Lana and her softball tournament and her um, homecoming court. Um, That's up next. And um, I love you guys. And I hope you have a good Thursday. Talk to you soon.